So if I were to call you up and say, hey, do you want to go for a walk? How many would go for a walk with me? Raise your hand. That's cool. Thanks. I appreciate it. Keep your hands up. All right. So now if I were to say to you, if let's go for a walk at 8 o'clock in the morning, how many would you be able to go? If you can't go, just, oh, it's still 8 o'clock. Worse. All right, great. If I were to say to you, all right, we're going to go for a walk and it's going to be three miles, how many of you keep, keep coming? All right, great, 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 great. Not bad, not bad. If I were to say to you, we're going to go for a walk at 8 o'clock in the morning, it's going to be three miles, whether it's raining or cold or freezing, how many of you would come? Ah, getting the cost up there a little bit. All right, now if I were to call you up and say we're going to go for a walk, it might be raining cold, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to be Thanksgiving morning, how many of you would go with me? Ah, now, oh, so Thanksgiving morning. Okay, we got some, we got some hearts moving with compassion there. All right, now, if we were to say it's not going to be three miles of a walk, we're going to go run. How many would you come if you ran with me? Oh, okay. Ah, now we got some, some people back in the room. We lost some and gained some. All right, if we're not going to go three miles at eight o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving, what if we went, what if we actually went, uh, five miles? What if we ran five miles? Ah, there's fewer people and I lost a bunch of people. Ah, bummer. All right. Well, hey, you know, you might know I'm kind of referring to Turkey Trot, and I didn't mean that as a plug for them. Oh, that's a great cause, and I'm going to do that this year. And I want to encourage you, you can go on the website and look for Solano Turkey Trot, and and you can jump in with that. But what I wanted to point out for us is that we all have a cost of a price that we sometimes just, it hits our lid, and we're not willing to pay to do something. We all have a price. We all, we all have a, a lid, if you will, that says, nah, I'm not, not going to go that far. Now, unfortunately, in the church, we don't talk about that cost enough. We really don't. We really don't talk about the cost of what it is to follow Jesus enough. There's probably a million Christians, uh, people who call themselves Christians, a million people in the United States who truly think that, you know, being a Christian is somebody who admires the teachings and the life of Jesus. And don't make a connection at all to the fact that being a Christian means you are going to live that life of Jesus. And you're going to walk that out of Jesus. And we see in, in, in Scripture that we honestly don't even want to hear about that cost. We don't even want to know that we have a, a high price to pay. Uh, in, in the church, I think it, it's really common for us just to, you know, we, we kind of hang around love and we hang around grace. We hang around what God's going to do for us and in blessing. And, and we're going to, you know, talk about how he has a relationship with us and a, and a bondedness. We, we hang around those parts of Scripture, but we forget to talk about the price. We, we forget to we forget to talk about the price we have to pay, and and honestly, as a church, it's it's, it's you know it's you know we realize we live especially in this country we live in a consumer culture, and so we we sometimes just we we focus on all those positives of of the faith, and we forget to talk about the cost. It's like I'm dating myself, and maybe you know this as well, and I'll show you how old you are. But you know, it's like we approach Christianity Christianity like burger. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us have it your way. You remember that? 
you're old. It's good you don't. You can stay. You can stay young. But it, we, you know, we 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 kind of focus on our faith that way. And what's interesting is that to me, we, uh, you know, in, in worship we brought up Lazarus and his being raised. You know, Lazarus was probably at the triumphal entry when Jesus came marching in. And the triumphal entry for, is this event where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. It's before he's going to take the cross. And he's been doing miracles and healings, and people are all excited about him. They're all excited about, man, you're going to go in, and you're going to flip over everything, and, and, and you know our country, our nation is going to be ruled by you. You are the Messiah. Hosanna, Hosanna, and really excited. And, and it wouldn't surprise me, Lazarus is in that crowd. I mean, he just came from Bethany. And you look at, you know, in, in the Gospel of John and how he describes it, 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 you know, he just raised him from the dead and he, he's walking out of Bethany and he's going in for the triumphal entry and, and everyone's all excited. And then Jesus tells his people, he tells his followers that, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to leave you. I'm coming here to fulfill something that includes my death. And they don't want to believe it. In fact, they scatter from him. And you see this in Scripture. They shouldn't have been surprised. He talks about it a lot. He talks about it over and over, leading up to that point, leading up to the actual event of his, of his actually taking on the cross and paying the price. He talks about the cost. He talks about death. He talks about surrendering it all. He talks about struggle. He talks about hardship. He talks about persecution. And it's not a new thing, but they don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to talk about it. But it's an important truth to talk about. Because being a Christian means we surrender it all. We die to Christ. He bought our life. He owns it. Ain't ours anymore. Not mine. And so I want to, I want to look. You know, we've been talking about what's next as a church. We've been talking about... What do we do next? And uh, last week we talked about how, you know, these miracles that have been going on in our lives for the last 20 years are awesome. And, and they demand a response. They, they demand us to be repentant. You know, if we see a miracle, it's there so that we'll go, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to redirect my life. I'm gonna, I realize uh, that God is in control and God is powerful. And I'm, repentance actually means to, to, to kind of change my mind and hold my mind around God things and, and, and to wrap my mind around following God. And so we see that in Acts chapter 2, we see this description of what they did that describes what it means to repent and wrap your mind around it. And they, and they use these words of they were devoted. Let's look at this, Acts chapter 2. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And so this act of devotion is what I want to drill down to. Because devoted doesn't mean just, okay, I'm going to come Sunday, I'm going to pray, I'm going to do a Bible study, I'm going to give a little money maybe a little bit, I'm going to serve a little bit. Devoted means I'm all 100% dead. And he's living. And so I want to take a look at where Jesus taught that. It's, it's throughout Scripture. And so why don't you go ahead and turn with me where where we shouldn't be surprised about. We're going to look at this teaching of the cost. 
we're, we're going to look at, we don't want to neglect this truth because, you know, the, the truth is that we're not just supposed to believe in the crucifixion. We're supposed to share in Jesus' crucifixion. Amen. And, and that's a, a, a cost we don't want to talk about or a cost we don't want to raise our hands on. But we need to have in the church, we, we need to have a, a, a good theology of what it means to suffer. We need to have a good theology of what it means to die, what it means to, to follow the cost of, of Jesus. Because if we don't, what can happen is in life, we can come into trials or we can come into something, and if we don't get it that, we're, that suffering's a part of the package, if we don't get it that there's a price to pay and things don't turn out, we, we can go, you know what, that Christianity thing just kind of didn't work for me. I, 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 you know, it just didn't pay out, and so I'm out. Or, or we can, you know, if, if all we're into is just, you know, praising him in the good times and then, you know, crying out to him in the bad times, but then we can't understand why the bad times might continue, we'll, we'll, we're, we're not truly following the faith that he poured out for us. So I want to take a look at this, at these three areas of what, suffering is all about and the first area is is turn to the gospel of john chapter 16 with me we're going to take a look at at world trials we're going to take a look at death to self and we're going to take a look at persecution and this first area of of suffering the first area of cost is is in essence world trials and in john in chapter 16 it's a great chapter and you'll notice that a big section of it is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is promising his people, the Holy Spirit's going to come after me and he's going to fulfill things for you and he's going to help guide you and strengthen you. And so then at the end of chapter 16, he says in verse 25, I've spoken of these matters and figures of speech to you, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you'll ask in my name and and. And I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Speaking very plainly, I'm going to leave. You're going to have this Holy Spirit. You're going to be able to connect to the Father by yourself. Then his disciples said, at last you're speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything and there's no need to question you from this. We believe that you came from God. And Jesus presses back. He challenges them. He goes, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when you'll be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. So we see this cost, if you will, part of being a, a, a follower of Jesus, part of being a Christian. He makes this promise to us that we're going to have trials. Now, these trials are, are, as you can see here, it's a result of being somewhat disconnected from God. He's saying, I'm with you, but you're going to scatter. You're going you're to leave me. You're going to forget about me, and you're going to have trials and suffering. And that's what happens in this broken world that we have. There are things that are separated from God. Cancer, 
a house burning down. There are things that just happen as a result of this, this broken world. Our, our, our cars getting, uh, get broken into. Um, uh, there, there's crime. Uh, there's just a, a, a sin in this world that doesn't follow God, that doesn't follow his peace, and it's a natural consequence. But don't lose sight of the context here in that he's saying, but I'm with you. You've got the Holy Spirit. He says, I told you that you may have peace in who? Me. We can have peace in Jesus in spite of these trials. It's what Paul said in, to the church in Galatia in chapter 2, verse 20. He said this. If we can have this on the screen. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified. I don't live. He does. And this world I've got around me that has flesh, that has trials, that has suffering, I live that out in faith. I live through that with my faith with my trust, with my belief that he is present and his strength is there to carry me through. And the world and the circumstances have no consequence, if you will, to me and having faith. They do when my emotions get in the way and my fear blocks me. But what he's saying here in these truths is that we have the Holy Spirit with us that makes us not just a victim, but a victor. That we are a victim at the same time we are a victor. It's a paradox. But look what Paul said to the church in, in Ephesians. He goes, now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more. And all I'm going to ask or imagine, according to his power within us, say power within us. His power within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. How many of you saw the movie? Have you seen any of the Avengers movie? Any of the Marvel? You like them? You dig them? Thumbs up, thumbs down. I love them. Our family digs them. That's who we are. We've got this superpower, this supernatural power that are like the Avengers. But it's, it's greater than that. I mean, that's what this word is saying. And Jesus said, you're going to do even more things than I did. But it, it takes faith to do that. You have to live in faith, total faith, that we have this power to overcome all trials, overcome everything. And so, you know, a truth in advertising, what it means to be a Christian is that we're going to go through trials. We're going to go through worldly stuff. It's going to happen. But our faith is in Jesus and our victory is in him to, to endure and to overcome. And that's a great praise. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give him a round of applause. He wrote this. I didn't. Yeah. It, it, great stuff. Great stuff. So now, so we see this area, this, this area of world of trials is part of suffering. We see this other area, which is death of self. And let's turn to the gospel of Mark. Turn to the gospel of Mark with me. Now, interesting enough here, in Gospel of Mark in chapter 8, we're going to look at chapter 8, we're going to look at chapter 10 here for these next couple of areas. These are teachings about cost, teachings about suffering, 
teachings about what it means to follow Jesus before that triumphal entry, before he told people, hey, look, you know, follow me. Um, if you're going to follow me, you got to know that I'm the guy. And here it is laid out for us in, in chapter 8, in um, chapter 8, verse 31. It's on page 605. It says, Then Jesus began to tell them that the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things and be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He'd be killed, but three days later he would rise from the dead. And he talked about this openly with his disciples. Peter took him inside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Jesus turned around and looked at his disciples and reprimanded Peter. Get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, he said if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up, say give up, your own way, say your own way, take up the cross, say take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything more important, anything worth more than your own soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If anyone's ashamed of me, they're going to be rejected. He's saying all in. Now, interesting, here's Peter being the human that he is going, uh, no way, uh-uh, you, you're not dying. I'm not, I'm not having anything to do with that. Uh, the word reprimand in, in the original language, it, 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 means, it's, it doesn't mean to just to scold. It, it, it means to, to, in essence, change the, the value of what's being spoken. It's a, it's a compound word. It means uh, on value. And it's basically saying it, it, to reprimand means I'm trying to prevent something wrong from happening. So he's not necessarily scolding Jesus. He's going, no, that we, we that. And Jesus is saying, no, get behind me, Satan. Um, that, that thought it would not be the total fulfillment of God's purpose if I didn't die, if I didn't take the cross. If I didn't, if I wasn't willing to take in all the sin of the world. And so to follow Jesus, he makes it very, very clear that the cross is something we should pick up too. Now note something though. This is a key theology. Note that picking up your own cross is not picking up your sin. Your sin is on Jesus' cross. When he's saying pick up your cross, what he's saying is, be willing to die for me. Be willing to be persecuted. Take up whatever it is that price you said you wouldn't put your hand on. Take up that and be willing to be persecuted for it. it you know, it, it's it's the it, it's to say that Jesus is saying, "Give me your whole life." I 
take up your cross, be willing to die for me, uh, die to your agenda, die to how you think it should look, die to um, who you're not willing to forgive, die to um, who you're not willing to, to give love to, die to uh, who you're not willing to talk to them and tell them what you know, what you've seen Jesus do in your life. You know, in Luke chapter 14, Jesus said about family, he, he, he made it really clear that, you know, you got to give up your family. If, if you want to follow me, you're going to give up your, your mother and your father to come follow me. And in fact, you're not going to love them. You're, you're, going to, you're going to love me more by comparison. And that's not an inconsistent statement of God saying we're not supposed to honor our mother and father. It's very consistent. He's saying, I want you to love me first. But you also have to understand sort of culturally to follow Jesus. It wasn't like it's not like how we raise our kids today and say, oh, go off to college and then we're still going to be in touch and come home every Thanksgiving and Christmas and, you know, raise your kids and be together. When you followed somebody to be a disciple, there wasn't Internet, there wasn't phones, there wasn't FaceTime, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't Snapchat, there wasn't an airplane, there wasn't a bus ride, there wasn't, you know, a car where you could go and, and check in back in your family. You gave up on them. You left them. And so you're totally relying on me. And, and, and you're, you're going to trust God to, to be protecting of your family. Uh, the, a Christian pastor and author by the name of Bo Chancey wrote in a book, I'm going to light myself on fire. I love that title. I'm going to light myself on fire. He wrote this, following Jesus is an all or nothing deal. There's no such thing as partial surrender. In order to follow him, we must completely lay down our lives. We don't get to pick and choose what we hold on to and what we give up. Total surrender is the only option. Take a moment to examine your life. Who's in charge? Who's calling the shots? Who's the director of of your life? Is it you or is it Jesus? It can't be both. If you see in your life that it's both, then total surrender has not occurred. And Jesus will not stand for it. He will not share his throne. You can call him selfish if you like. But that's that's the way it is. Jesus desires to rule over you. And he's not willing to share you with anyone. Because he loves you that much. He's not even willing to share you with yourself. And so we see this cost, this, this suffering... You know, it's a it's a death to self. To follow Jesus means I, you know, I, I'm I'm going to forgive the person that hurt me that I don't want to forgive. I'm I'm going to love somebody who's been unkind to me and and may have uh, slandered me or, or persecuted me. I'm 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 going to serve where God wants to, to me to serve, not necessarily my, at my comfort level, but where he he's calling me to be assigned. I, I'm going to give him my best. I'm going to give him my first. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be generous. It all belongs to him and, 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 and care not uh, wh- whether uh, and care not whether it, it, it's not mine to, be, to begin with. Care not about whether he's going to provide. He's going to continue to provide. I'm, I'm going to share his story. I'm going to share his story about me and how we met and what happened and what's different. I'm going to share that because it's his story that he wants told. It's an all-or-nothing thing. It's a, it, it's a death to the self. It's a willing to be a willing, a willing to be rejected, a willingness to, to be scorned. 
And then there's this other deeper place that we have of suffering, and that is actually persecution. If you flip your page in your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 10, there's, there's two places that Jesus is nailing this one. Down. He's talking to the, the rich man. The rich man was wanting to find out um, what it would take to follow Jesus. He was willing to go. And Jesus, well, you got to do everything, including, you know, selling all you got. And the guy said, no, I, you know, I, I, I just can't do that. And so Jesus said, well, then you're not my follower. And, and then, you know, Peter and the apostles had this reaction when they heard that. And in verse 28, it goes, then Peter began to speak up. Well, we've given everything to follow you. Yes, Jesus replied. They did. They gave up their fishing business. They gave up their families. They've been following him. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many. Now check this out. A hundred times as many brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property we, we love to talk about that scripture, don't we? Especially in our offering time. Give and it'll come back to you, right? You're going to get a hundredfold blessing back. Well, check this out. The whole package comes with you. Along with, what's that word? Persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. You know, this word persecution, it, 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 it come, in Latin, it comes from the word pursue, to, to be pursued. And in the Greek language, it was this compound word. It meant to not just to pursue, but to, it was used in the context of hunting. It meant to hunt down an animal and kill it. That to be Jesus, to be a follower of him, is, is that if you are going to be connecting to him to be persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. This was a clear message by Jesus. This is not a hidden thing. It's not like, you know, small print underneath the bottom line that you, that you might have missed in the contract signing. He's making it very, very clear. You're going to be persecuted. And, and you look at later on in, in the next conversation, the, 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 the disciples are talking about who's going who's gonna to be greatest. You're going to have this new kingdom. Who's going to be your vice president? Who's going to be your treasurer? Who's going to sit at your left and, and to your right? And, and Jesus says to them in verse 36, excuse me, verse 38, he goes, but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Are you able to be, check this out, how it's phrased here, be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Are you going to be able to walk through what I'm going to walk through? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Then Jesus said, well, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with the baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on the right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. He's making it really clear. We are going to suffer persecution. Paul knew very much about this. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he, he gives this deep description of what he went through. Check this out. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged. That, you know, that flogged is a whip on your back until you're practically going to bleed to death. 
have been flogged more severely and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. He got Jesus' lashing five times. 39 lashes. He got it five times. Jesus had it once, and then he took the cross. Paul got it five different occasions. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. He goes on. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in dangers from fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. My goodness gracious, what a spirit of God. His biggest concern is what's going on in the family of God, what's going on in the church. But he lays out the price that he's paid and the persecution that he's gone through. And and Jesus makes it really, really darn clear to us that we're going to go through the same thing. Now, I think in the United States, I don't think we we suffer much persecution. Part of it was we're blessed in this country. A lot of men and women have died. We're about to celebrate that holiday. A lot of of veterans have paid the price and sacrificed their whole entire life so we can stand here freely and not worry that we're going to be beaten by rods and hauled off because we're worshiping Jesus Christ. That doesn't exist in all countries. That doesn't exist everywhere in the world. But I wonder, honestly, I, I kind of do wonder this, though. How much of it, uh, the fact that we, don't, we are not persecuted is the fact that we don't want to be? And we're not even having a conversation about it. I'll go wherever you want me to go, God. But do we put limits on that? Morning, not five miles, not if it's raining. I hope it's Thanksgiving. What limit do we put on it? Maybe we do, maybe we don't, but I think it's a question we just got to look at. You know, and, and you know what? Persecution is coming. It is coming. You can see it. You can see it in our culture. It's happening. But don't blame any political party for it. You can look at the church. And look at how silent we are because we don't even want to go through rejection to sell somebody to Jesus. We don't even want to go through potential shame from our peers or colleagues or family members to tell them, this is what happened to me. My dad passed away, and when he died, I started to pray that God would take him and, 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 and he would have peace from this coma that he was in. And the moment that he passed, there was just an amazing surrounding of, of, of I can't describe it, just a, a sense of, of, of white light. It was supernatural. And, and, I, and I knew it, that very moment that my father was with his father, who he was missing because he hadn't seen him for over, uh, over 50 years. And, and I, I knew at that very moment what life was all about, that we are loved by God and we live forever and we're from heaven. And this world that we live in is absolutely just sort of meaningless compared to the fact that we're loved by God and our family is there and we're here in this world to tell everybody to get into the family. That's simple. That's my story. That's my testimony. It's his story. 
But to be able to tell that, to, to, to be willing to be, to, are we willing to be rejected? Are, are we willing to lose our job? Are, are you willing to forgive those who have persecuted you? Be willing to be beaten with rods and, and not deny our faith in Jesus. Are we willing to go to jail? Are we willing to perhaps have our head cut off and die? Bless the followers of Jesus who are. They exist. They're out there. But the calling, you know, it's there for us all. And basically, I think the the take home and the walk away from this is that, you know, Jesus being Christian is countercultural. You will face rejection. You will face, as promised, persecution somehow generationally. There, There is a sacrifice that's required. It's all or nothing. You know, you you know, if you're. If you say you're vegetarian, you can't say you're a vegetarian and still eat meat, right? If we say we're a Christian, then it means that we're going to follow him. It means we're going to be all in. Let, let him lead. It's it's the cost of every decision. It's it's our whole life. It's needing to pray and read his word and and be in fellowship with one another to know what that call is, to know what that following is. Uh, Praise God if somehow we can make it through this world and we're not persecuted to death. But there's a place of our heart that we need to recognize that there may be a price that we're not willing to pay. And I'm just going to have us kind of sit in that for a little bit. I, I want to encourage you to study the scriptures, get into the word, read these stories, uh, read about what Jesus is doing, and ask God to show you in your heart what is it that you're not willing to pay. Be convicted with that. Not condemned. He doesn't condemn you for it. He just wants to show you what it is. Because on the other side of that is an invitation for him to give you more of his love. Honestly, I truly believe that people that are persecuted and people that are martyred have such a presence of the Holy Spirit that they feel pain, but they don't feel pain. They receive God's joy at a level that we probably will never touch if we're not going through that same step ourselves. But let's know what the cost is. Let's pray. Father God, you know what? Thank you that you paid the full cost and thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit to walk through the full cost of surrender everything about our lives Lord convict us now show us where it is in our hearts that we're not willing to follow you what's on our agenda how does you know what where are the places that we say, oh, it's got to look a certain way, otherwise I'm not in? Who are the people that we're not willing to forgive? How, how, what, 
what reaction do we have emotionally that we clam up and are silent and don't tell somebody that Jesus loves them or God loves you or not willing to pray for them? We thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit teaching us everything about you to obey and follow you and giving us the strength to do so. We thank you for that good news that you died on a cross for us so we can walk this world fully victorious in you through the love of your son, Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, amen. Amen.